Hey, Charlie, you ready? You know I'm ready. Let's get it. Let's go. This is crazy. This is absolutely insane. Such at a loss for words. I mean, I'll find them, don't worry. Do I like playing against adversity? Man, I just like playing, period. I'm just I'm shocked and I'm so proud of our guys, man. Unbelievable. Putting the crest on every single time means something to me. This is Brian McBride, and you're listening to the U.S. Soccer Podcast. Charlie, it's been a fun little Memorial Day weekend. Did you have a good Memorial Day weekend? Uh, amazing. We're in the process of trying to teach the kids how to ride a bike. We're trying to skip the training wheels and go straight to the real deal. It's it's fun, but but scary for sure. <laughs> also, it's a workout. My hammies feel like they did when I was back in preseason. <laughs> Your hammies. Uh, my hammies are keep with the bike. I'm trying to run beside them as they pedal and then they're wobbly and you got to like reach and strain your back. I'm sore. Okay. But, you got to stretch those hammies. Careful with them. Yeah. I need some yoga. I need to do the whole, the whole bit, ice bath, the whole thing. But Jordan, I saw you hiking, biking, exploring the wilderness. How was your weekend? I'm like a little Dora the Explorer. Uh, I am so lucky. I live in Colorado right now. I'm back with my family. And so it's just like, it's really beautiful right now. And this is my favorite time because if you know anything about Colorado, it's very dry as a state, but in the spring it's green. And so I'm like, I got to go everywhere when it's super pretty. So my weekend was great. I got to go up to this hike that's pretty close to my house and it has a vista point that's like at the, literally the top of the mountain and the views right? Views for days. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we are doing as much exploring as possible. You even, you even called my brother and I, a a young Lewis and Clark. Oh yeah. That's exactly what came to mind when I saw you guys (laughs) on the peak, just like looking around, taking in the sights and said, this is what you guys are made for. We are, we are. Well, we're pumped to have our first current national team player on the podcast as Tyler Adams joins us today. But before we talk to Tyler, Let's get into some of these big updates. We've got news. We do. The NWSL is almost, almost back. Big announcement from earlier this week. The NWSL will be back next month. Yes, this is so exciting, Charlie. We're end of June. The NWSL is going to start back, and it's so exciting because they're going to be the first U.S.-based sports league to return to play. And this all is happening with the announcement of the 2020 NWSL Challenge Cup. It's going to be played during the summer in Utah. All the teams are going to be staying at almost like an Olympic village, an NWSL village, staying together, isolated, and uh, getting to play games and a lot of games. So it's really exciting. These nine teams will compete for the Challenge Cup in a 25-game competition. Knockout round. There's going to be a champion. There's sponsors involved. It is just such good news for NWSL, for sports, and for these women who are so dedicated and ballers. Like, they are so good. I'm excited for them to have a safe way to return to play and an option to play or not. One of the coolest things, Charlie, is – NWSL Players Association and the players and NWSL have worked tirelessly to figure out a way to return to play and to make the players feel safe. If they don't feel safe, they don't have to participate, yet they can still get their full salary. So it's it's a really good agreement that they've all come to terms with, and uh, it just makes me excited to see some games and 
now. Those are all going to be on CBS All Access with the first game and the final being on CBS. So let's go with that. Major news. Major news. I love it. It'll be great to see the women back on the pitch. There, like you said, there's so many talented players, and uh, I just I'm looking forward to this tournament. Yeah, yeah, all of these players just ready, and that's the commonality, right? Players are ready to play. They just want to make sure they feel comfortable with the situation presented before them. And NWSL has done a good job with their nine team league to really figure out a way to do that. So uh, it's a good start step in the right direction, right? Absolutely. I mean, we've seen players in the English Premier League, Troy Deeney of Watford and Golo Conte of Chelsea, also stay at home and not join their clubs because uh, of the worry of, of being surrounded by people that could potentially have COVID-19. So I understand it. Meanwhile, most MLS clubs are continuing voluntary individual workouts as the league works towards a plan for restart. I know we're getting closer. I'm feeling excited. Um, I know there's been speculation of, of a tournament happening in Orlando. I hope that comes to fruition. And the Bundesliga is rolling on with two match days over the last week. They are crushing it. And it's a great product. Bayern Munich defeated Borussia Dortmund 1-0 on Tuesday, opening up a seven-point lead at the top of the league with just six matches to play. On the bright side, though, American Gio Reyna came on as a substitute in the 72nd minute. He has seen minutes off the bench the last two weeks after recovering from an injury he sustained in warm-ups ahead of what would have been his first start for Dortmund. Oh my gosh, wasn't that so painful? I like <sighs> you could feel it. If if that were you, you're getting prepped and ready for your first start and you get an injury in warm-up. I just felt for him so much. Mm, yeah, I you know, I even put it out there like I'm so pumped for Gio. He's worked so hard to get yeah. to this point. Everyone believes in him and you know, it's it's unfortunate, but He's bounced back. He's yes. already he's already on the field. And Byron, I think they're well on their way to their eighth straight Bundesliga title. What do you say? Yeah, Charlie, I don't know, man. I don't know if anyone's going to be able to catch them. No, a seven-point gap between them and Dortmund right now. They're playing with yeah. a ton of confidence. I don't see anyone catching them. We're also seeing plenty of U.S. men's national team players get action in the Bundesliga, Charlie. Weston McKinney scored his second goal of the season in Schalke's loss against Alfredo Morales and Fortuna Dusseldorf on Wednesday. Loss, but good to see a goal. Josh Sargent with back-to-back starts for Werder Bremen. That's got to feel good, right? As a center forward, get some confidence, get the starts. You know how that feels. Starting to maybe build some confidence here. Absolutely. Werder Bremen is in a relegation battle, and to be starting matches when everything is on the line means he's performing well in training and doing enough in matches to get a, an opportunity. So fantastic news from, from uh, you know, Josh Sargent and Werder Bremen. John Brooks with a solid performance for Wolfsburg on Tuesday. And your your boy, Uli Yanez, even made the bench for the first time, but he's still seeking his first team debut. And, of course, Tyler Adams continuing to make an impact at RB Leipzig. I think we're good luck. Tyler yeah. played 90 minutes for the first time in over three months at right back in a 2-2 draw on Wednesday. And he ran a lot, which we knew was going to happen. No surprise. That, most, that's no surprise. Yeah, clocked the most mileage on, of any player on the pitch. And uh, I liked that we even talked to him about that, right? So you'll get a little taste of that in a few minutes. But one of the things I think is really interesting, Charlie, is we talk about the home field advantage of these teams. Well, there is no home field advantage right now in the Bundesliga. Out of 27 matches, only five wins for the home team. Can you believe that? Uh, I can. I can because 
I, I guess it goes to show how important the home supporters are and, and what they can do for a team, which is great. I mean, that, that really is important in our sport, that our fans can be there to support their teams and help them overcome deficits or give them energy or give them a boost. And now you're seeing why these fans are so important to our clubs. Yeah. And even the players playing in their home stadiums will go and wave to the fans or, or the fan section, right? Because they do, they appreciate it. And they know those fans are watching at home on TV and supporting them. And that means that little bit extra as well. <sighs> Jordan, all this Bundesliga talk makes me think it's time to bring in someone who is in the thick of it in Germany. Yes. Tyler Adams has made a seamless transition into Bundesliga from Red Bull, New York. He's He's got an incredible engine, a really strong mentality, and is just an all-around winner. This interview occurred on Tuesday before Tyler and RB Leipzig played Hertha Berlin on Wednesday. With that, let's get to it. Tyler, we know you're a very busy man. Your season is up and running. Thank you so much for joining us and being our very first, very, very first current player in the U.S. Soccer Podcast. So, what's up? How are you doing? How are you feeling? Doing well. Um, obviously, unprecedented times, I would say. But um, for me, obviously, to be in Germany and one of the first leagues to obviously start back up and playing again, uh, it's a good feeling because I was getting a little bit bored staying at home all this time, doing the home workouts. So to be back out on the pitch is obviously great. Oh, I can't even imagine because for us, you know, we were anticipating it too. All eyes have been on the Bundesliga the past couple weekends. Uh, what's it been like for you to get back onto the pitch and be that first sports league that is playing again? Yeah, in a sense, you're almost the guinea pigs, right? Because so many eyes are watching you and seeing how everything pans out. Because, you know, if some people are tested positive, people are like, oh, wow, they went back too soon. But the way that Germany's handled it has been very efficient. So um, obviously a lot of tests had to go on in order to prove us playing again, um, a lot of safety precautions. But um, for us, all the players feel safe, and I think that that's really a good sign. So um, obviously with the games continuing without fans isn't ideal, um, but it's a safe measure, and I think every player would agree that um, if we can play again, obviously without the fans and they're able to watch on TV and whatnot, then we want, we want to finish our season so that we can obviously be on schedule for, for next season. Yeah, you really have to dig deep in a sense. I think it's excited to, exciting to be back, of course. But um, on the other hand, you know, the fans give you the motivation to go out and play all the time. You know, the, the cheering and the, the celebrating and um, all that to run the extra 15 yards, maybe on a play, make a sliding tackle, go into a tackle a little bit harder. Um, they're kind of your backbone to that kind of thing. So when you don't have them, um, it feels out of sorts in a sense. You have to dig really deep and find the energy to, to perform and play at your best. Um, but I think that as a natural competitor, you would want to go out and win. So um, for me and my team, it's an opportunity to pick up points, continue to move up the table as far as possible to move on to next season. And it seems from our standpoint that the games do have the intensity that they've always had. But we actually in America are experiencing something maybe different than you guys are in Germany. But the last few games, we're, we're hearing crowd noise now. Uh, is that something you guys hear in the stadium or is it just communication within the teams that you're hearing alone? It, it's so funny you ask that because my dad texted me earlier and he was watching um, the Bayern Dortmund game. And he was like, do you hear the fan noise? And I was like, I don't know if we're watching on the same channel, but like I don't hear anything. 
all I hear is echoes like in the stadium. And um, he was like, yeah, I think a lot of teams are starting to put fan noise in the stadium to give that sense of atmosphere, of course. Um, but when you're in the stadium, there's, there's nothing going on. So it's just dead silent. You just hear echoes when you call for someone or you're telling someone to switch the ball and you, the person could hear you from a mile away. Do you prefer it like that or would you welcome some crowd noise? And how do you feel about the cardboard cutouts like what Mucha Gladbach put in their stadium? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, if there's fan noise, great. I mean, it's not really going to be a distraction when you're used to like real fans yelling the whole game. Um, <laughs> cardboard cutouts, I think it's kind of good, cool to, to tribute the fans. I mean, there's a lot of season ticket holders. Why not? you know, give them something to recognize on TV or whatever. And then um, I think that obviously continuing with no fans for the rest of the season and seeing how we can pick up next season, we'll see where it goes from there. But it's a little bit strange for sure. In Germany, a lot of the stadiums have an overhang, right? So they're a little bit more covered and and protected from the elements. But I think of these MLS stadiums and if they had cardboard cutouts and you're like, there goes Sally from section C who's flying over the 18, you know, like... In the MLS, it would be a little bit strange. There's some stadiums where the seating isn't ideal and you just would never see them. So. Right. So funny. Well, one of the things I've really been enjoying when we didn't get the stadium noise is hearing you guys talk to each other on the pitch. But, man, I need a translator. I don't know what anybody's saying, but I mm-hmm. feel like it's kind of a good opportunity for players. Like, think about those young German players who are watching the games, who get to hear the communication on the pitch. Don't you think that's an advantage for – some of these young players? Yeah, 100%. I think it's an advantage for um, a lot of these young players to obviously watch a little bit more closely. There's not any distractions now. You know, When you have the fans and, and a lot of stuff going on, it's, it's hard for young players to really focus on, on watching the game and players' movements, uh, etc. So like you said, the communication aspect of it is a huge point. You know, our coach emphasizes a lot, you know, the communication aspect. We have to coach each other and, uh, and get through these situations almost almost more than when you do have fans because when you do have fans you're a little bit more tuned in actually to what to what guys are doing and sometimes you get a little bit lazy a little bit distracted when there's no fans because you think it's going to be a lot easier but um at times it's it's you have to focus even a little bit more tyler i know we 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 briefly spoke about it during this break due to coronavirus it was a great opportunity for you to get healthy because all that time off no games allowed you to just focus on your health what was that process like to get fit again? So for, for this, for the past six or seven weeks, I would say, I strictly focused on, you know, building my, my base so that my muscles were just getting the proper function in order to function at the highest efficiency. I think that, you know, a, a lot of times, you know, this was also nice from a mental perspective because, you know, when you're injured and you have the eagerness to get back and play, you immediately want to say, I'm going to be healthy for next game, just so that you can kind of mentally prepare yourself just in case your body was prepared for next game. Now that there were no games to be like, oh, I have to play next game. I have to be ready for this game. It just gave me a chance to slow myself down, catch my breath for a second, refocus on the important thing, which was being healthy, making sure everything was functioning properly and build a base. Now, you know, going into games, I I feel, you know, really, really good, of course. Um, of course, I need the, the match fitness again that everybody needs. You're going to go through moments of fatigue as, as normal. But from a muscle perspective, from a body function perspective, I feel really good, which is nice. Yeah, a little bit of a silver lining. I think we're all finding that, right? Is, what is the silver lining in this? Do you feel like there's other aspects of your game personally that you've been working on that you've been able to advance over this time as well? Yeah, it's, it's been a little bit tricky, right? Because, well, 
you know, again, we were fortunate being in Germany because we were we were able to start the individual practices um, in the small groups a little bit earlier than basically everywhere because some countries are obviously just starting that. And from that perspective, there's just a lot of technical things that you were able to clean up, stay sharp, you know, work on your weak foot, work on your strong foot, shooting, passing, all the, the little variables that you love to do as a player and extra work. And um, I think just all around, you were able to sharpen your game up a little bit more that, you know, now when you're able to get back into team training, it's more about, you know, body positioning, finding the right angles again, getting into the, the game movements that you need for the game. So kind of just all around, there wasn't just one area that you really looked at. It was just an opportunity that you could say one day, I just want to work on this the next day I just want to work on that now you you mentioned team training does that feel normal is it back to how it was before the coronavirus yeah it's it's for the most part back to normal um the only thing that we're not really able to do is use the locker room still they still want us to stay out of there just because obviously when guys are in the locker room they're sitting next to each other they're you know high-fiving each other banter joking around um so now we still have to continue we have our own rooms at the training facility which is nice you get to training you go on your training or in your room, you change, you head out to the training pitch, come back, go in, go ahead and eat, and then um, you can kind of leave. But yeah, we're still, for the most part, practicing, obviously, the the distance when we don't need to be right next to each other unless we're on the pitch um, and those kinds of things. The physios are wearing masks and gloves, um, all those kinds of things. Yeah. You mentioned banter there. You also mentioned communication earlier. So I'm curious. I, I didn't get the opportunity to go play abroad. I know Charlie did. But for you right now, you've been in Germany for a little while. What's your communication with your teammates like? Are you speaking in German? Are you speaking in English? What's that? What's that like? How's your German? Yeah, I mean, I would say that my German is, is decent, to be fair. I mean, it's 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 great. And it's terrible at the same time to say that, like, our team is <laughs> our team is so built off of the idea of having foreign players as as a as a luxury that all the guys are in similar circumstances as me where you know they don't really come from a german speaking country so a lot of times when you first come into the team it's it's english because that's the easiest way to communicate with with everybody and you know you kind of build these relationships where you know guys are practicing their english more than i'm practicing my german which isn't a great thing um but it's it's obviously hard to break music to my ears because when i played in france I was fined 100 euros anytime I spoke a word of English in the locker room or on, on the pitch. The coach wanted me to learn French and learn it fast. Yet all my teammates wanted me to speak English because they were like, they thought it was cool to practice their English. So are you taking lessons? And how important is it to the coach, Nagelsmann, that you speak German? Yeah, so for me, when I first got here, I was doing German every single day. Now I'm, I'm doing German... Uh, twice, once a week. Um, obviously right now it's a little bit harder. We just do it on Skype. Um, I do it with my girlfriend sometimes as well, just so that she can learn. So I don't do it, you know, too, too much. I, I have a good grasp of the language now, um, a little bit better, um, than obviously I did a year and a half ago. So I'm understanding a lot in, in the training ground. I don't need a translator or anything like that anymore. People can speak German to me. I, I respond, no problem. I think that, for, for Nagelsmann, it's obviously great if we can all speak German, right? But the the thing is, is when you have, you know, seven guys out of the starting 11 that don't speak German, then you have to refer to a base where everyone can understand each other. So um, it's a lot of English. For the French guys coming in, we have about six French guys. They're only going to speak French to each other, of course. They're not going to speak German to each other. So how do you try to get those guys to speak German to other people? I mean, we have translators for all the foreign guys. I mean, it's it's a little bit hectic at times, right? Because you go yeah. into, you go into video and you have 
you know, four or five translators in the room sitting next to all the people that need translators. So um, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to say the least. And German's not an easy language to, to learn. Let's be real. No, it's not. <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to transition. Let's talk about U.S. men's national team now, right? And you, you spoke a little bit about the relationship you have with your coach there, but I want to know this relationship with the, that you have with Greg Berhalter and just how much you guys have communicated um, really over the last year with your, in and, um, your injuries and then really over these last few weeks of how, um, how much you've been able to talk to him. Yeah, it's crazy. So from the time that I've gotten injured, which was actually the game, it's funny that, that I say this because it was the game after um, our friendly against Ecuador and Florida. We came back and played against Hertha Berlin and then I got injured and now we play Hertha Berlin tomorrow. So um, it's funny because he has reached out to me the most out of any coach or anybody and he's constantly keeping tabs on me, seeing how I'm doing anything that the staff can do to help me. And that's obviously been been really, really helpful for me because this is a guy that you know, I've only been coached by once, but I feel like he's been my coach for, you know, years now. So it's been really good to build a relationship with him, understand my role when I obviously have the opportunity to go back into the national team um, and obviously be a, a foundation piece to what we want to build on. Coach Burhalter is huge on culture. That There's no doubt about it, which is great. Back when I played, we had a strong core of players that started their youth national team, men's national team's career around the same, same time. We grew together. We formed a brotherhood. I get the sense that this is happening now with your generation. The team has a lot of young players playing at a high level. You, Wes McKinney, Christian, Tim Weah, Zach Steffen, Josh Sargent. What can you say about that? Yeah, it's definitely something that he wants to build a cohesion with. Of course, he wants us to be as close as possible, but it's not with the, you know, some of the players that you were naming necessarily. He wants it to be one through, you know, roster spot 60, because when that, when that, Guy in the 60th you know, roster spot gets called in. He wants everyone to feel like they're at home. And to me, that's a culture that I love to be a part of. You want to welcome everybody. You want everyone to be on the same page and have the confidence to play to the best of their ability when they get called upon. You know, for me, you know, when I was young in New York, I was in one of the last roster spots, right? But everyone made me feel that every single day I went in there and I had a role to play within the team to help everyone get better. And then, you know, when my number was called on, I was prepared to do that. And I think that's what he wants to build. He wants to continue to give guys confidence to, to be themselves, express themselves, um, and ultimately be able to, to play well when they get called upon. It is a real mixture, right? When you talk about even that group, that 60, if you're thinking about the players that can be a part of that 60-man roster or squad, it's there's so much varying experience. What have you learned in those situations when you've been with the men's national team, maybe from some of the veterans? What has been some of the takeaways you've had from the, these players who have played in some big-time games for the men's national team? Yeah, the, the veterans are great, right? Because whenever you have a veteran um, a bunch of, uh, against a, a bunch of young guys, right, they, they always have a, a different sort of banter. It brings out a, a different side of them. And it's great to, to have them shed light on some of the experiences that they've gone through because, you know, ultimately when, you know, Michael Bradley gets called into camp and I'm able to have a conversation with him, this is a guy that has 120 caps, right? And that's a position that I want to be in when, when my career is, is, you know, his career is not coming to an end, but when my career is obviously on the tail end of it. So um, I think that for me, you know, I've had the opportunities to play against Michael. I've had the opportunities to talk to Michael. Um, and it's just great to, to have a role model in, in a sense. You know, he's a guy that, um, has obviously experienced it all, played in World Cups. And like I said, it's just, you know, those are the shoes I want to be in. So whenever you're able to joke around with him or have a little joke inside the group, um, it's really good. 
how often are you guys talking to each other? I remember back in my day, we didn't have FaceTime. Like, so we'd hop, we get home after training, we'd hop on the sticks, we put on our headsets and we'd play video games, Call of Duty, FIFA, all day, all night. And that was kind of the routine. Yeah, so for us, it's, we have a team group chat, first of all. So, and there's probably about, man, I can't even tell you. I think there's like 80 people in there. The amount oh, wow. of texts okay. oh from this group chat is just unbelievable. And we have like team trivia every single day with like them putting questions in and whoever can answer it. And then they have like a standings and score and stuff like that. So it gets intense in the group chat, to be fair. Yeah. I think that from a personal perspective, obviously I'm really close with the guys that I've, I've um, been able to play with a lot. So, you know, guys like Aaron Long, Weston McKenney, um, Christian Pulisic, you know, we've, we've grown up together. So we have almost a different sort of bond than, you know, with obviously guys that I've never played with, but we're continuously trying to um, grow relationships with every player. And this group chat is a good way to do that. Do you feel like you playing abroad with some of those players that you just mentioned, Weston, Christian, that, that has enhanced your relationship too, because you guys kind of understand what you're going through playing in, in a foreign country, in a different culture, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, hundred um, percent. I would say that first off, the time change, right? Just like being on the same the same um, time zone, being able to talk is so much easier. Play video games; those are the guys I play video games with and whatnot. But I would say that there's there are guys back home that, of course, I talk to as well. You know, I mentioned Aaron Long, a guy that I grew up and went through the system with in New York. It's a guy that uh, I'm really really close with. So. Um, you know, the guys that you have personal relationships with from different experiences are guys that you tend to, to lean towards. But what we're trying to do within the, the team is continue to broaden everyone's um, horizon, so to speak, with, you know, talk oh, to the guys. listen to this. You Red Bull guys stick together. and it's You're such a group. Listen to this. Oh, stop. Stop it with that. You're a player who's played right back, excelled in MLS at defensive midfielder. I know you'll play wherever the coach asks you to play. But we're talking 2026 World Cup. You're in your prime. Where are you playing on the field? Where would you like to be playing? The six. At the, at the six. I mean, I, I, don't need, I don't really need to go into detail. No, you don't. So we're talking about the right wing back, right back, the inverted right back, whatever you want to call it. However you play at Red Bull Leipzig, is that the same way you'll play with the U.S. men's national team, if you're playing in that right back inverted position, um, with with Leipzig, it's not as much as an inverted role, so I don't get as many touches on the in the middle of the field. Okay, so it's 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 that's a tricky question. With how we play here, sometimes we attack as as with five, defend as four. Um, sometimes we, oh man, the, the 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 role that I play here, it's called like they call it a joker, which is kind of like you know, in, in Germany, they call Joker a neutral player, basically. So you're kind of like the the free player in a lot of situations. So you're able to get the ball in a lot of good situations, advantages. But it's tricky because, I mean, I, when I look at that role, I, I, I and I like look around, think around the world of which players play in that role. They're like unbelievable attacking players, right? They're like one v one players. I'm, I I don't know if I ever take players one on one unless I'm like dribbling by you in the middle of the field, but like. I, I don't know. I'm just not the player that gets the ball. And I'm like, oh, let me cross it into the box and hope it finds somebody's head. You know, I'm just like, I'm more of a player that wins the ball in the middle of the field and starts counterattacks, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. So you, you've been, you've been injured. You've, you've had 
setbacks at different times in, in your career. I think you, I've heard you mention, I've logged a lot of miles on my legs because I run. I run everywhere. Now that you've been injured, you come back, you're fit again. What have you learned about your body, how to read it, how to find that balance of pushing yourself, yet not overdoing it? Because you seem like a guy that's always pushing. You want to reach your peak. So you're always going to be pushing. I know it's a tough fight. How do you do it? I don't know, man. My rehab trainers, they always come up to me after games and they're like, do you have any sense of idea, like how much you run like each game? And I'm just like, I don't know. I just go out and play, man. And they, they always tell me like, you know, according to the GPS, of course, like after easy days of training, what it was supposed to be, like I'm just running way too much. They're like, some days you need to like relax a little bit, kind of go undetectable in training. Like you don't have to be the best player. You don't have to be the worst player. Just sometimes be like in between. And I was just like, I mean, I, I'll learn that eventually, but right now I'm just like... That's not in your DNA. It's not in your DNA. I'll take days off after I'm done playing. Like, I don't want to, like, take days off while I'm playing. But that mindset, too, also allows you to get to where you are, right? I mean, yeah, it's, it's in my DNA to run a lot and obviously work hard. Um, I think that as a young player, I wasn't always the best. So I had to find ways to obviously you know, have that mentality to, to outwork players and, and find a way into the team. And, you know, now as I've been able to develop my game and, and get better, of course, you want to be one of the best players, but your work rate should never change. I think if you're one of the best players, it should only become better and lead by example type of thing. I heard the story about how Coach Burhalter asked the players in the camp to write down the person who comes to mind when you think of a captain. And the majority wrote Tyler Adams. And you weren't even in that camp. We've heard you speak about being a captain of the U.S. Men's National Team one day. So I'm curious, what do you believe makes a good captain? From the captains that I've had, a good captain is someone that obviously gets everyone to buy into the same principles that they believe in, right? So when you have everybody on the same page, that's what makes a good 11, um, a good 18, a good 30-man roster. When you have a captain that is afraid to state what they believe in and, and kind of buy into just what the coach is saying, that's not necessarily the best thing, right? Because you don't want the guy on the team that – um, looks like a, a, a kiss ass, so to speak. You know, he, you don't want the, you want a, a guy that stands up for his players, but also what the coach believes in, of course. So um, I think that from my perspective, um, I'm, a, I'm a fearless type of person. I'm going to go out there every single game, give it 100%, um, but I'm a winner and I want to win games. So I'll do, I'll do whatever it takes um, to get guys to buy into to what I believe in because we need to win. You know, when you look at qualifying, for instance, we're doing everything we can to qualify. I don't care if you like it or not. We need to find ways to qualify because the last group didn't. And we want to be known as the people that qualify, go on to the World Cup, and continue to um, set the foundation for the, the group coming up behind us. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of qualities that you need in order to lead a team. But um, for me, I'm not afraid to, you know, take the blame for certain instances. I'm not afraid to, to speak my mind in certain instances. And I'm, of course, not afraid to go out there and, and show the way that things need to be done. You're pumping Charlie, me up. I'm inspired. I was going to say, Charlie, I'll play for a captain, a Tyler Adams team, will you? Yeah, absolutely. This guy's got me ready to go. You won't, you won't be a part of qualifying, but if the U.S. advances to the Olympic Games, how important will it be for your generation to take part in this competition? Yeah, it would be a great experience. You know, I'm kind of, I'm really bummed out because I was really looking forward to seeing how the group would have obviously went on in qualifying. Um, I'm, I'm really, really pumped up. Yeah. So yeah, sorry. So um 
yeah, a qualifying. I think it would have been really cool to obviously go to qualifying and then, you know, be able to partake in the Olympics. And for me, the Olympics is the ultimate occasion to play in, right? Just to be able to represent your country, walk out to the anthem, of course, and, and the, the opening ceremony, the closing ceremony, those types of things. That's what you, you live for as a player. So um, the quality in the group that we can have, like you said, would be, you know, enormous. And the, guy, the experience for a lot of young guys to get that, um, you know, that international experience before going and playing and hopefully a World Cup. Yeah, that'd be great. So anytime for me, anytime that you get the opportunity to go to a competition like that, I'm going. So um, I hope we can obviously represent Let's go. Charlie's saluting. Nobody yeah. can see that, but we got to recognize that, right? Yeah. Uh, Tyler, I want to know, you know, you talk about these things that you want to accomplish or you have accomplished, but I'm curious, like, who who is Tyler Adams? Like, what motivates you every single day? What keeps you striving for these big goals? Because they're big goals. Uh... What motivates me, man? I, I, it's again a hard question. I would say that you know how my upbringing, who raised me, the brothers that I had, the competitive nature in our household every single day. Um, that's kind of what just instilled me to want to be the best. Um, I wanted to be a role model to them and just anybody that I was playing with or against. Um, and you know, any opportunity I had an opportunity to play against the best, I wanted to show that I was capable of doing that. So. Um, for me, you know, winning is the most important thing for me. It's kind of one of those intangible things. Like you have to win at all costs. So every single you know game that I have, every single training that I have, I want to be a part of the winning team so that, you know, when I leave on the day, I can just say, yeah, I won today. It doesn't matter how I played. If I won, I'm happy with that. You spoke candidly about being from Wappingers Falls, New York, and making the 150 mile a day trek to New York Red Bull Academy. I know there have been national team players whose families have made tremendous sacrifices. Clint Dempsey has spoken about traveling long distances to play all over Texas. It really shows true dedication from your family. How difficult was that? Yeah, very, very difficult. I mean, for me, it was easy, right? Because on the way down, I'd, my mom would make me do a little bit of homework or something like that. And then on the way back, I'd be sleeping because, I mean, we for, from the academy days, we'd train at... 9.30 at night till 11 and then I'd have to get in the car and go back home and we get home at 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. So for my mom, it was just nonstop. And obviously I can't thank her enough for that kind of thing. When I signed my first professional deal, uh, she couldn't take a break either because in order for me to get to practice, she I couldn't drive yet. So she had to quit <laughs> work and then um, wow. drive me down. So um, there were so many sacrifices that my family made, my dad made um, in order for me to obviously have that opportunity to play at Red Bull. And, um, you know, fortunately enough for them, I, I was able to get my license and start driving. And then my brother made Red Bull Academy, so they had to continue driving him down. So um, they never really got a break. Now that he's in college, they've had, you know, a couple of years off of doing the drive. But, I mean, it's it's nonstop for them. So I'm really thankful for them. They, they gave me all the opportunities I had. Hey, if your brother did that, then you, you were a good role model, right? Because that's what you just said. You wanted to be a good role model. So you showed him this is how we do it. Yeah, exactly. It was I mean, for me, it was like, I, I drove for a year back and forth once I got my license. And I was like, Mom, I'm moving to New Jersey. I can't do this anymore. So uh, she, she allowed me to move out of the house and pushed me to move out before I came to Germany. So I was fortunate. Tyler, when you look at what you've done, you've gone from the academy through the stages to play on a pro team here in MLS and then now have an opportunity to go play abroad. That's a lot of these young kids' dreams, right? 
I have a two part question here. What do you feel like separated you during that time to allow you to achieve that? And what's some of the advice you would give to these kids who are, you know, looking at you and saying, that's what I want to do. To answer both, both of those questions, it was a mentality thing for me. Um, again, you know, like I said, when I was growing up and, you know, playing or trying out for, for Red Bull New York, um, I was not the most technical, um, maybe one of the most athletic kids, right? But I just had this competitive mentality that, you know, I wasn't going to let anybody beat me or outperform me. So I would find ways to, you know, tune up my game and get better at the things that I wasn't best at so that I can be the best at that. So um, you want to have a mentality that separates you from from a lot of people because um, it's hard to go out on any field and say, okay, I'm going to be the, the best at this or I'm going to be the best at that. But when you have a mentality where you're going to go into games and you're going to say, I'm going to do whatever I need to do in order for the team to win. Coaches will take notice of that. I think that's kind of what um, allowed me to play my role and then um, become able to express myself in the way that I'm able to play the game and, um, and continue to improve on, on important aspects of the game. I think that's great. Great advice. Unbelievable. Yeah. Now you talked about hot seat. We're going to put you in our hot seat. All right. So this is our hot seat. Rapid fire questions. We're going to hit you with them. Go to sneakers. Sakai's. Okay. Nike Sakai's. What's at the top of your bucket list? Skydiving. Ooh. Ooh. I can I I can tell you right now, Greg Berhalter is not gonna like that answer. <laughs> okay. I if you have a hidden talent, what what is it? Oh man, I wish I had hidden talents, man. I can't cook, can't play any instrument. I did play saxophone when I was young, but I can't anymore. Oh man. Come on. <laughs> give me something. Hidden talents. Dancing, singing. What what do we got? Can you can you build? Build? What am I building? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll give you we'll give you time to think about that one okay. as we ask you some other ones. Sushi or Taco Tuesday? Taco Tuesday. Come on. Okay. Best player you've played against so far in Germany? Uh Sancho. Jane Sancho, okay. Clothing brand, your go-to clothing brand. Ooh, that's a tough one, man. Go-to clothing brand. Slim fit, loose, what were we with? Uh, I like oversized clothes. Oversized. Um, I don't know. I got like maybe Heron and Preston or something. Okay. Yeah, it's a good one. Who talks the most on the pitch? It can be a teammate of yours from the national team, but who's always chirping? At me, Aaron. Aaron Long. Because, like, when we, were, when we were in the system, like, Jesse wanted him to be a leader and whatnot, like, wanted him to develop into this talkative guy, and now all he does is chirp at me on the field. It's so annoying. <laughs> Your favorite game you've ever played in? Against France before they went to the World Cup. That was a cool experience. Childhood idol. Thierry Henry. If you could choose a goal song that played when you scored, what would you choose? Bad Boys for Life. Ooh. <laughs> nice. Hey, Diddy. Throwing it back. What advice would you give to a young player whose dreams to follow in your footsteps? Don't be afraid to take risks. I think that um, that's important when you're going through the system. A lot of things, you know, people emphasize is um, you have to be good at these certain things and you're afraid to make mistakes as a young player. Mistakes are part of the process, and you only learn from them. Well, I think you just hit it out of the ballpark, so we'll we'll cue up Bad Boy for Life. 
and have that playing. Uh, Tyler, that was such a great interview. Really appreciate you giving us some of your time. We know you've got a big game tomorrow. So uh, wishing you the best of luck. Let's go. Best of luck, bro. Thank you. Appreciate it. Charlie, that was so much fun chatting with Tyler Adams. What do you think is your favorite? What stood out? Man, he, he is, he's a bright kid. I loved when he described the qualities he believes are needed to make a good captain. He has the passion and the drive to succeed at the highest level. I'm really rooting for him. What about did you, Jordan? You, did it make you want to come back and like be a player again? Uh, say, no. Let's go. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But it made me want to you know, go out there and run like four miles and just like do a, a hardcore workout. This kid really has a special drive needed to really, you know, to reach yeah. your, your highest potential. So right. um, he, he's, he's got it. He's yeah. got, he's got it. For me, I really liked when he was talking there right at the end about the advice he would give to young players about not being afraid to fail. How key is that? that nobody, nobody, Tyler Adams, Messi, Ronaldo, nobody leaves the pitch perfect. Everybody no. makes mistakes on the field. And I think that is such a good thing to say that your failure helps you learn and helps you get to that next step, helps drive you. So I think that was really good advice from Tyler. And it's definitely an important message that I think all the youth will, will take and, and use their advantage. And we just have to thank Tyler Adams for taking the time to check in with us from Germany. Stay tuned early next week when we have a special interview with U.S. Soccer Chief Medical Officer, Dr. George Chompas to talk about how the Federation is approaching next steps as soccer organizations across the country start returning to play. Let's go. I know. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Until, Until then, then, Charlie. Let's go. Go ahead. Drop it. <laughs> Drop it. Drop it on. <laughs> Until then, we got to have you. Rate, download, subscribe. Tell your friends. Listen to the U.S. You soccer to. podcast. See you next week. Yeah, we'll see you. Bye, Charlie. Bye.